Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special version of Britonology that has nothing to do with Britain whatsoever. Well, as far as we know at this stage, I feel like there are going to be some themes. <laughs> oh, of course. No, there's definitely, there's definitely, the, there's this, uh, you know, French and Indian War, mm. the War on the Wabashes of English origin. There's all sorts of things we can talk about yeah. about the American Midwest. Anywhere where you can find angry, fat, red dudes or pedophiles, you can find a piece of Britain. It's like Rupert, <laughs> Rupert Brooke shit, you know, in that foreigner, in some corner of a foreign field in that earth of Richard Dust concealed. Yeah, do I have a university to introduce you to that I went to? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say is the following. I have made the joke many a time to Milo on Twitter, to my uh, to the Francis and Joe and everyone in our uh, in the zoo crew mm. that uh, Britain I've discovered is just big Indiana or big <laughs> Michigan or big Illinois. It's the big Midwest. It's just um, and, and and quite frankly, it may be smaller than the actual American Midwest, but in terms of culture and in terms of individual states, Britain is bigger and has more outsized influence than any one Midwestern state. But then I realized. Uh, when I talk about the Midwest, I don't really know what Milo or our British listeners really know about. I wanted to talk about the American Midwest because I am, in fact, from Indiana. And with me today uh, is my co-host, Milo Edwards, of course. Hello. Yeah. Coming at you live from uh, Big Ohio, or as it's also <laughs> known, uh, Tower Hamlets. And uh, <laughs> we brought along two friends of the show and fellow Midwesterners, Joe Kasabian. Hello. Coming from the other island that uses the Union Jack as a flag. Oh, New Zealand. <laughs> no, he means Australia. And of course, Francis oh, yeah. Horton as well. Oh, good eye, mate. Missouri, the Missourian, who we have no Union Jack anywhere. I don't think I've ever seen a Union Jack mm. in this entire state. There's no Missouri in the Union Jack, as they always say. I don't know if I ever saw one in Indiana. If I did, it was like on a, like, I don't know, like fucking Broad Ripple or Bloomington having like a... A, a sort of twee England themed shop, but I just feel like that would just fail so quickly in Indiana that no one would even bother opening it. So I genuinely don't know if I've ever seen a Union Jack uh, flown in any significant place in Indiana. We, I really hope that the uh, the British color sergeant who was attached to your unit in the army, Nate, had had a Union Jack bumper sticker somewhere going on. Just he did. to remind, of course, people. he did. No, he absolutely did. He, did. <laughs> he had a, he had he had a Union Jack bumper sticker on his. Uh, on the, he had a white Ford Ranger, and he had, or a correction, a white Ford Explorer SUV, and he had oh, nice. the Union Jack, and he had his regimental like insignia from his unit back in fucking Yorkshire, wherever he was from. Uh, yeah, that's the first pedo rifles, two bloody right lads. St. <laughs> Louis, uh, St. Louis, every once in a while supports one of those stores for for a couple of years until it collapses on itself. The last one that I remember, maybe it's still around, but it's like. It's not, you can't be like, this is the England store. It's like, this is the English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh store. And we have those things here. And all mm. it is, is a bunch of Union Jacks and uh, Guinness shirts and some tricolor stuff. Say, what and- the fuck would they sell in a Welsh store? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody here knows what a Welsh This is the cheese on toast section. It's right next to the, uh, to the uh, fucking leek section. And then there's some Dylan Thomas books in the car. Most, most Missourians would not be able to point at uh, Wales on a map. And like that is just, and that's not a stupid thing. That is just nobody understands how the fuck United Kingdom works either. So that's just the way it Right. Be, that's yo. just the way it is. That's not Missouri. That's the United right. States. It's just yeah. like, I can't explain it. It just is. Mm. So the best way we could start, I believe, is to talk about the American Midwest, which, if you're not familiar with America, is not particularly far west in any capacity. 
Um, I would go so far as to say, although the the census and the American sort of registry of facts and such mm. does call part of the Midwest the area that is to the west of the Mississippi River, uh, I personally don't fucking buy it uh, because, quite frankly, I, there's no part of me that believes that Nebraska, Kansas, North Dakota, or South Dakota are Midwestern states. However, the U.S. government uh, does, in fact, think that they are. So. Uh, that is a frustrating thing for me. Well, but I will also point out that the Midwest is really considered the Ohio Valley. And the the Ohio Valley just kind of touches most of these states. And that's why yeah. that's why they get kind of grandfathered. And like, yeah, South Dakota has nothing to do with being a Midwestern state. But no. because like the Ohio Valley kind of, and the Ohio Valley is the uh, everything north of the Missouri River and the Ohio River. And if you don't know where those are, it's perfectly fine. Nobody's going to test you about this. Nor do you have. If you to don't know where those are. You might be our Welsh listeners. Might be our Welsh listeners <laughs> uh, who, in in an act of vengeance on the people of Missouri, refuse to know where the Ohio Valley is until you learn. If we went through, if we went yeah. to a book like we've got a hundred Welsh people and put down a picture of the United States and ask them to point out where Missouri is. Do you really? Th- I, I wonder how many. If if it would be better, Missourians know um, uh, Wales, or if Welsh know Missouri best. I reckon the Welsh would get a lot closer. I mean, I think I think a lot of them would be pointing maybe not at quite the right state, but I think they would get but A in the right country and B quite close. close. They would probably know from their from their whatever they've heard of America that it's because it's not one of the coastal states they've heard of. They'll just point to the dead center of America and they'll be kind of close. Mm. I mean, it won't it won't be it won't be bang on the state of Missouri, but it'll be close. That's the beauty of the Midwest. It's easy to find. You just back, point at the middle of America, you're right there, baby. But but here's the thing though, right? When we, as Francis pointed out, uh, there's uh, there are other terms that we use to describe this region. Um, some people will, will just use the Rust Belt and the Midwest interchangeably, but I don't think that's true because the Rust Belt definitely uh, includes states like Pennsylvania and upstate New York and uh, you know parts of Kentucky that those would not be considered uh, Midwest at all. Mm-hmm. However. The, the, so you have the Ohio River and the Ohio River Valley. You have a region that's sort of informally known as the Great Lakes. Um, and uh, then you also have what would, I, would, I would consider more like the Great Plains. However, uh, where Joe's from, the great state of Michigan, uh, you share an enormous border with Canada, a maritime border with Canada. Um, where I'm from, uh, it, it's, uh, it's more or less shaped like an ice cream cone that's dripping. Um, and it does share a little bit of a lake border with, uh, with, with the... Not with Canada, but rather with uh, the state of Illinois and then also a land border with Michigan. Um, however, if you go out to all the way out to Ohio, a state none of us likes and none of us wants to recognize, that's sort of the outer limits. I, I actually joined the anti-Ohio Hamas, and I don't believe they have the right <laughs> to exist. <laughs> so the thing about Jeremy's it is... got a meeting with Jeremy Corbyn next week <laughs> to talk about the anti-Ohio Hamas, our friends... Flying the black flag of uh, the free state of Michigan. So, so we've uh, we've sort of oriented mm. you to the uh, to to some of the borders here. I'm going to go through this like an army terrain model. You then have the Ohio River, uh, which separates Indiana from Kentucky. Mm. Yeah, you can't see, but Nate's doing that five finger point. Thing yeah, exactly. The army. Um, you also have the Mississippi River, uh, which connects um, b- connects with the Ohio River in a town called Cairo, Illinois. Uh, Spelled Cairo, it's pronounced Cairo, like many towns in the Midwest, you will find, like Versailles, <laughs> Indiana, pronounced, spelled Versailles, pronounced Versailles. Um, Detroit, which was d- a d- French d- town yeah, called Detroit. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm. Joe, I know you've got some. I know you've got some good, some good French ones from Michigan too. Besides Gross all of, Point, all of, yes, Missouri, <laughs> St. Louis has them too. Like we all, because the whole thing. I mean, it was the Louisiana Purchase, so we bought it from the French. We're just yes. like, what do you call that? That's no, that's just Spady. We're just gonna call that Spady Road because we're Midwesterners. What the fuck you got over there? No, that's fuck that. We'll we'll name our stuff after you got after the French. Uh, I mean, St. Louis is named after Louis the Sixteenth, but we're not yeah. gonna pronounce mm. shit correctly. Not around here. Fuck that. Well, also, and that brings me that brings me to my next point. That, like you said, the Louisiana Purchase, and then the I believe it was the Northwest Ordinance. Uh, so the French uh, America bought a significant amount of land that had previously been claimed as New France from France, I believe, to so Napoleon could fund some fucking wars. I don't know. Uh, we do have a historian on here, but yeah, it was Napoleon the first huge fuck up. I could really go for some health care, my man. <laughs> the, the, the French Midwest is a deeply cursed concept. This is a this is a fine bouquet of uh, monster energy. Uh, this is, this is, some of them they make the monster energy in another state, but then it is just sparkling energy. Yeah, this is not the the monster region. <laughs> I just like the idea that everything still stays as cursed and awful as it was growing yeah. up, but like everybody's fixing kit to do heroin was much fancier. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, right? Is that one of the reasons why there's so many French place names beyond the fact that obviously like mm-hmm. there were French uh, explorers and it was charted was also because of the fur trade. Because at the time, uh, all the fancy lads, all the Rileys of Europe really liked beaver mm. pelts for their hats. And so the French fur traders uh, <laughs> operated all throughout the Riley area. on fucking like early modern Depop, like sending a scroll to the group chat with a particularly absurd beaver fur hat in it going like, <laughs> oh, guys, can I buy this? It's uh, it's it's seven hundred guineas, but I think I'd look cool in it. So, uh, talking uh, about beaver pelt startups, sending missives back and yeah. forth. Like, also the grapes up north are great. I don't know what's going on, but I think. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the situation that you find yourself in here is the fact that, um, uh, yeah. So fur trapping was the reason why places in Indiana, Ohio, Illinois got French names, and then obviously the. The fact that St. Louis is connected to the Mississippi River on the Mississippi River meant that the French who navigated it, you know, they had New Orleans, they had St. Louis. Uh, I don't think they went that much further north than that. But long story short, we we have a place uh, that was mostly settled by the French, named by the French, uh, but then purchased, sold by Napoleon uh, and settled and was at the time of the Louisiana Purchase in the Northwest Ordinance, more or less the Northwest Frontier of America. However, as time went on uh, and they sort of expand even further westward, it was no longer the western border. It was now just the Middle West, hence the name. So we've knocked that one out of the fucking park. And one quick note about French names. I told this story to Milo many a time. Uh, I went to school in a town called Bloomington, Indiana. Nearby, there is a town uh, called Gnawbone, Indiana. G-N-A-W space B-O-N-E, a bone that you gnaw on, a gnawbone. Hmm. Another great Midwestern culinary tradition there. Yeah, another one of those. Yeah, exactly. You have casserole, you have a gnawbone. That's how we clean our teeth, actually. Yeah, you got some got some persimmon pudding. You got some, I don't fucking know, whatever those weird hamburgers Francis always posts pictures of from St. Louis where it's like, oh, we took two cheese patties and fried them enough to make them into a bun, and then we put meat inside it. Uh, yeah, however, Americans love to eat like we have free health care, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ, guys. 
I was going to say, that is one way in which we are so incredibly inexorably, inexorably linked with the British. <laughs> they, they, Americans have that approach to healthcare, like like those guys with that Will It Blend YouTube channel. <laughs> just fucking throw in the iPhone in the blender, just being like, yo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat four cheese patties and just see if they can get it out of my arteries. <laughs> How big is the bill going to be, baby? So uh, the point I'm making, though, in bringing this up is that Gnawbone, N- N- Indiana was originally called, apparently, was originally called Narbonne, like N-A-R-B-O-N-N-E, a French word. However, over generations of Southern Indiana folks living there, they decided they are not pronouncing that shit, and instead they they just wrote it the way they pronounced it, Narbonne. Uh, so you have, effectively, a big hunk of land that was originally colonized, charted out, mapped, etc. by the French, and then, wouldn't you know it, plopped full with a f- bunch of fucking Germans. Because, let's be honest... Over the 19th century, lots and lots of people left Europe for various reasons, and a ton of German Catholics left and settled in places like Southern Indiana, Southern Ohio, Southern Illinois, and, of course, St. Louis. Now, uh, some of us left for other reasons. Yes, I was going to say, Joe is, of course, Armenian, so uh, there is is a little Armenia of America, but it's way further west than this. However, he wound up in, yeah, I'll say, Mm -hmm. he wound up in Michigan for some reason. Uh, I think it's because there's a huge population of uh, Chaldeans and Assyrians in Dearborn. Ah, so that makes sense. Yeah, we were like, I guess my family was traveling. Was like, yeah, fuck it, close enough. <laughs> Glendale's so <laughs> far away. What if we just go to Michigan? I hear. I think I got a second cousin there. We actually we have uh, mm. Herman, Missouri. We have a lot of Germans in Missouri too, and a lot of German German sounding uh, places like Herman with two ends. And if you go there, it's great because it's like got a winery because. Uh, Missouri has a microclimate that's great for wines too, um, but just not the ones that that Missouri Riley. If I liked wine, I would absolutely be Missouri uh, Missouri Riley. Yeah, we've got uh, mm. uh, a lot of German uh, a lot of German places, a lot of German named towns that also have a lot of very heavy German influence in the architecture and everything. So places like Herman is great because it's got all it's like a little tiny German like an actual town from Germany in the in the woodlands. There's actually a Switzerland County, Indiana, and the overwhelming majority of people are Fuck of Swiss origin out. there. Um, actually I mean, obviously, got that like, name because they smuggled gold from all the other Germans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The houses are all really, really neat and prim, and if you do your laundry on Sunday, they call the cops and they shoot you. Yeah, every one of those there wears <laughs> a big cowbell around their neck, and that's also how they elect the like state senators. But um, the point I wanted to make, though, having defined the geography of the Midwest and described a little bit about the history is here's the thing, right? So the whole the draw of a lot of this stuff was that the U.S. government would basically allow you to uh, stake land claims and uh, homestead. And so, you know, in those initial periods, we call it the first half of the 19th century, uh, you had a lot of people who traveled to these regions and settled in. They typically traveled by boat on rivers or uh, before the, the the construction of the Erie Canal, which allowed the Hudson River to co- uh, connect to Lake Erie, which allowed you to basically sail from New York City all the way up through the Great Lakes and then get to uh, Great Lake cities like Chicago that way. Prior to that, you had to navigate on, on the river. And so, um, for example, I went to school, like I said, in Bloomington. There were kids that I knew from Evansville, which is a, a town in the very far south of Indiana, who, like their grandparents' first language was German, and they spoke German at home. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not that old. So uh, you definitely still have that influence. You also have a lot of, to, to use a, similar, a word similar to a Rileyism, lots of little micro regions as far as like, you know, places where people are super German versus places in, I don't know, like in the upper Midwest where people are extremely Nordic. 
Uh, if you've watched Fargo, you've got a lot of those weird accents are because most of the people who are from places like that area of, say, Minnesota, North Dakota, I cannot Dakota, believe that you would suggest that people from Norway or Sweden would be involved in creating a very strange accent. I don't see how <laughs> that could happen. Yeah, they, uh, they, there's lots and lots of, of Nordic people, uh, Nordic-descended people up there. So uh, we have this we have this big hodgepodge started out as like a homesteader agricultural place. And then with the advent of uh, the industrial revolution, you got lots and lots of factories. You got, uh, you have a climate that at least that makes it easier for people to be indoors working with horrible hot machines year round, as opposed to the South where you kind of couldn't back in those days. Um, and then you also had all the river traffic for trade and stuff like that. So that led to a huge uh, industrial boom as time went on. And then when it became cheaper to box all those factories up and ship them to Mexico and then further afield, all of them closed down, which brings us to the state of the Midwest today. Uh, folks, it fucking sucks. So, Joe, uh, could you give us a brief summary of your home city of Detroit? Oh, man. Um, so, like, the, that industrial box up and move thing, that happened, like in phases right before i was born everybody was it happened to like flint first uh and we all know how that went very and well it, yeah thankfully <laughs> everything's nothing... great there don't google it no it's fine obama drank the water it's good now um <laughs> flint being the seat of general motors that then uh went to shit there uh, there's a documentary from um roger what's it to michael moore called uh, roger and me and one of the things he shows in that in the documentary is a a news clip of local Flint news people doing like a, like a live TV spot and in the middle of their broadcast, someone steals their van and drives it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, big love to Flint. It, it, like Detroit is wild. Cause like it's been in a steady downturn of, of industrial uh, production since like the white flight of like the 50s, 60s and 70s. Right. Um, and slowly but surely, you know, cause the white people moved out to the suburbs, one of which literally has a wall around it. I can't remember which one it is. Um, but it, it, and then they would commute into the city to continue working their very well paid factory jobs. Um, and then slowly those would go away. Those suburbs would go to shit. More people would flee the city. Uh, which is now why, I mean, people are attempting to gentrify it now. I haven't been back in quite some time. But that's why huge swaths of the city are used for like ruin porn. Um, like it was originally a city built for around two million people, right? I, and I believe half a million live there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like six hundred thousand now. Yeah, with the sort of Detroit Renaissance that they've been talking about with like gentrification and stuff. Yeah, and 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 one thing I would throw in there too is that. Um, uh, the the godfather of the city of Detroit, modern Detroit, is of course Henry Ford, who was insanely racist and anti-Semitic, and made it a point that he's like literally no races can ever mix ever. So all of Detroit was segregated by ethnicity, mm-hmm. uh, and that didn't really work out very well uh, in the long run. Um, and then of course there were riots in the late '60s, and Detroit burned. And uh, uh, and then yeah, it's been it's been kind of shitty ever since. Indianapolis, famously, there weren't riots because Bobby Kennedy was in Indianapolis the day that uh, Martin Luther King was killed and gave a speech. Uh, that was the story people tell themselves. But uh, Indianapolis is also such has a relatively small black community compared to most other big Midwestern cities and also is so incredibly police state racist that I just think that uh, I think they probably showed up armed to the teeth as well, uh, which, yeah, it's. That's another part that we'll get into is is, is the, the the segregation and racism, which is a huge deal. But uh, but yeah, uh, I was going to say. So, Francis, could you maybe give us a summary of your home city of St. Louis? 
St. Louis is a very strange place that, um, so you know how like a normal city is, is large, like London, it's large, it's, but you've got your center, like urban metropolis, and then it kind of goes out and you've got suburban areas. I assume Detroit is kind of the same, like suburban Detroit is still within the city limits of Detroit, right? Joe, is that? Uh, those suburbs have done their best to declare themselves separate okay. cities so they can uh, not have to deal with Detroit. Well, if you want to know what that looks like, look at St. Louis, because we did that in the 1800s. Um, the city of St. Louis decided to split from the county of St. Louis. So the city of St. Louis is about 62 square miles, um, right? It's kind of this little weird, it looks like a stomach um, when you look at the entire city limits. And there's 300,000 people in there. We once upon a time had twice that population. But, you know, white flight's a motherfucker, uh, as, as I'm sure every Midwestern person knows at this point. And uh, so it, the, the split meant that we have 88 municipalities. And at one point in time, we had every one of those municipalities. Well, not every one of them, but we had about probably, I would say, 50 different police forces um, that were part of all of these cities. So you had the St. Louis Police Force. And then all these little places that would be these little shitty areas that it's only like about two, two or three square miles and it's called Pasadena Hills or fucking, you know, some Webster or whatever. And then inside of those, they would have their own police departments. Um, now, if you can imagine what a police department in a small town is like, they're always shitty, right? Because they're, it's a small town and you're an outsider. Now, imagine you have to drive through a small town every fucking day. And uh, if you're doing four miles over the speed limit, you will get a $150 ticket. Um, that's the reality mm-hmm. of uh, a large part of St. Louis in some places. Now, the police... The map just looks like pre-unification Germany. <laughs> the, county, the county has consolidated a lot, and there is very, there's a lot of rumblings about smashing everything back together. Not necessarily... Because, you know, obviously, like, all the rich places that are really far out don't want to integrate into, Saint, into the St. Louis city because they're like why should I take on your tax burden? And it's like, cool, just let the city fail. I'm sure, I'm sure that like when, you know, the heart of a region uh, grows cancerous, that the arms will be perfectly fine afterwards. Knock yourself out. Um, so we've got that going for us. Um, we have an arch. Uh, that's our big thing is we have an arch. It's 630 feet tall. It's half of a McDonald's sign. Um, it is not as cool as what we used to have, which was a riverboat McDonald's. Um, unfortunately, that was taken from us. What? Oh, hell yeah. Was that for, like, regulatory reasons? Like, McDonald's was illegal in the city, so it had to be on a riverboat? No. It was like a <laughs> M- McDonald's casino. We used to have a... The gambling clown. <laughs> you did kind of gamble every time you went uh, over there to eat, but it was... Yeah, we had a mm. we had a McDonald's, a floating McDonald's, that uh, it was always really exciting when you got to go there, and it was, like, cost twice as much to go to than a regular McDonald's, but... Uh, Join me in the river McDonald's. <laughs> You pay for the experience, and by the experience, mm. we mean foodborne illness. Because our fridge have you broken. got your sea legs, Mister Chapo? <laughs> you, you, you will find me by the clown and the river, the river McDonald's. I just imagine you're just sitting there, you're enjoying your Big Mac, and then all of a sudden, like this uh, Ironside with the Burger King logo just comes steam chugging up, like oh, Civil War era Ironside just comes up alongside and just starts shooting. Uh, cannons and starts hitting you with fucking grape yeah. shot just oh, blasting man. you which which one mcdonald's or burger king is trying to preserve slavery in this situation <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just there for the sweet riverboat side they don't care who they don't care what's about the slavery uh mm. oh, 
That's what you're saying is about burger rights. Exactly. As you say, it's burgers yeah. rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's that's St. Louis in a nutshell. Yeah. So uh, I'm from I'm from a city right outside of Indianapolis called Carmel, and uh, I re- mentioned the fact that I'm from a suburb because it's important. Unlike St. Louis and Detroit, Indianapolis uh, did the the complete opposite. And rather than uh, townships and small cities and such, you know, carving themselves out and forming exclaves to escape mm. uh, the burden of taxation and the burden of common services and and the burden of being in a fucking civilized society uh, indianapolis actually merged the county uh marion county which is where where indy is uh with the city of indianapolis so all those townships all of those uh smaller cities got kind of absorbed into and there are some exceptions to that but by and large um everywhere in marion county is part of indianapolis uh which okay great except for the fact that uh in the 1960s uh, this whole thing called desegregation happened and lots of people were not uh interested in desegregating so they left the city and fled to the surrounding county's suburbs uh and that's where I'm from uh legitimately went from being a town it was the town with the first stoplight in America and the only stoplight in the town until the 1970s when it went through a huge boom because of all the racist people leaving Indiana- Indianapolis Hmm. The thing about Indianapolis is that unlike unlike uh, Detroit, which that's such a fucking bit of American ephemera, like oh, yeah, the first stoplight in all of America, people come from miles around just to look at it change color. Would you look at that, fellas? The stoplight is also racist. Yeah, <laughs> just every, every single light is blackface. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 I'm gonna say, look, there there are we have several world's largest in Missouri that we're very proud of. So it is a very Midwest thing to say, like, look, we have the first of a thing because. Literally, why else are you going to go to Carmel? Oh, no, like, like I, I'm dead serious. My dad has sent me these weird Indiana Historical Association articles that he loves to share just because they're so bizarre. And one of them is like a magazine entirely devoted to Indiana's unique round barns. And it's just like, who fucking cares? They built circle bars. I don't give a shit. It's like dedicated only to the preservation of round barns. Like rectangular barns get fucked. We only care about circles. Yeah, it's a whole magazine about round barns. And you're just like, who are all these guys in the ghost outfits outside the barn? Just like, don't worry about them. <laughs> They're local barn thought, enthusiasts. Well, it's it's funny that you should mention that because, yeah, the um, uh, so Indi- Indianapolis was formed, unlike Detroit, which uh, was on a waterway uh, and St. Louis on a major waterway. Uh, Indiana is on the White River, but it wasn't really navigable to any significant extent. So Indianapolis was mostly chosen as like a depot, a stop on the first major road across the U.S. And then they built railroads and they tried to build canals. And hilariously, they actually bankrupted the state trying to build canals like highways in the 1840s. So Indiana has the only like equivalent to a, a or at least the first mandated balanced budget amendment because of the fact that the government was like, all right, we'll pay your debts, but you can never take on external debt ever again because you built too many fucking canals. So it's a, it's a strange kind of a basket case state. Mm. The, the Birmingham of the Midwest. Yes, yes, absolutely, man. Like I said, in, in England, big Indiana. And uh, the thing I'm going to say too is that uh, your, your joke about the Klan there, um, Indiana is the only state in America that was openly run by the Klan. And now in the South, obviously the Klan was huge, and it, but it was, a, it was a sort of a uh, not public-facing thing. It was an open secret. In Indiana, it just wasn't even a secret. People ran on Klan party platforms uh, in the 1920s. And the only thing that, uh, in fact, I believe the governor, who uh, was a Klan governor, got wealthy selling white hoods and sheets to farmers. 
So, like, he had an MLM of racism. It's a living. <laughs> <kind of> impressive. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the guy who's like, let's taking that advice about, you know, when there's a, when there's a gold rush, sell uh, picks and shovels and just taking it like a bit too literally and just been like, well, I'm going to go to the most racist part of America and sell fucking white hoods. <laughs> but, and but, but that's the thing, right? Is that like, so a lot of times people will share photos of, of, you know, as like historical ephemera and be like, this is so horrifying. I can't believe people used to make postcards of lynchings. And there's one photo in particular that gets shared a lot because it's just really grim and like all the people watching the lynching are like smiling and posing in the photo and people always assume that must be like Alabama or Mississippi or Louisiana or Georgia it's like no it's fucking Indiana in like 1907 Indiana is an insane you can tell that because state. look at that wooden stoplight that they're standing right next to there <laughs> I do have to double back a bit like when you said like that vi- that picture of the lynching everyone's like oh that must be Alabama and no, it's actually Indiana mm-hmm. um it's like uh, whenever you see people openly marching with swastika. Well, maybe not so much anymore because that just happens everywhere now. Uh, but oh, like even yeah. like a couple of years ago, uh, they're like, oh, at least fucking because, you know, the swastikas would get flown side by side with like clan shit. So people would always assume it's the South. Well, the American Nazi Party's headquarters is in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's well, like, as, yep. as the Blues Brothers told us about Illinois Nazis, it's got a proud <laughs> Midwestern history. Well, I mean, and I'll throw this one out there, too, that people in Indiana used to joke about, like, how these names are just funny anachronisms. They're like, oh, yeah, Whitesville and Whitestown. It's like, dude, those towns were incorporated in the 1920s. Those names are not accidental. Right. No. Like, you might as well call it. Absolutely not accidental. It's because they're really into uh, keto there. Uh, everyone's <laughs> eating egg whites. They're getting huge. Love meringue in Whitesville. They couldn't all name themselves Sundown Town, so they had to go. Well, that's the thing about Carmel is that, like, where I'm from legitimately, I never saw it, but I've heard stories that folks said that up until, like, the early 90s, there was literally a, a you know, don't let the sun go down on you here sign involving the N-word in Carmel. And, like, I mean, it's just... First N-word sign in America. <laughs> I was going to say, well, say the thing. The first, stop, the first stop sign in America and the yeah. last actual sundown town in America. There was one in West Virginia before that, but they spelled it wrong, so it didn't count. Um, <laughs> fuck. The, th- the thing that I'm going to point out, though, is that having drawn this picture of this region, th- obviously there are some, some regional varieties, but this is pretty much true throughout. You have uh, a farming region that was full of uh, Northern and Central European immigrants that then industrialized during the Great Migrations. Uh, there were significant movements of Black Americans from the South to these Midwestern cities. Uh, those populations were very small prior to the Industrial Revolution. Um, there obviously were some earlier on, but like in, in large amounts, it didn't happen until basically in and around World War One. And then, um, and then once uh, once desegregation happened post-war, basically those cities all were like, oh, we'd rather burn this town to the ground than share with black people. Um, and that brings us to the modern, uh, our, our beloved home and blighted hellscape of a region that we're from. And thus, with all of these things discussed, racism, redlining, desegregation, poverty, uh, terrible food, we are brought to something that could only come from the Midwest and only be popular in the Midwest. The insane clown posse. From the clan to the posse, the two defining features of American <laughs> life. Uh, so the insane clown posse, uh, who have gone by several, I, I believe there are the inner city posse ones, and then nobody believed that they were hard, so they became clowns. <laughs> like, wait, uh, what's more reasonable name than the inner city posse? No one's buying it. Uh, insane clown. I believe they're both uh, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope, whose real names escape me at the moment. Uh, they're by- actually both named Joseph, like you. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> cool. It should have been the Insane Joe Posse. 
Yeah, there you Joe's go. Joe's just mad that they're more pop- um, that they are uh, more successful than he is at this point. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, every time someone on Twitter says they're going to become the Joker, they're just uh, taking our culture. It's unfair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they. I, I think they're from the suburbs of northern Detroit, uh, but they eventually like drifted downward, like a lot of us, uh, because it's the only place they could afford to live. Because you could buy a house for the price of a used VCR. <laughs> Um, he's not joking you can literally buy houses in Detroit for like $10,000 now I can't only imagine that. what that was oh shit wow yeah I've seen some for like 5 to 7 uh, granted you probably don't have trash collection services water or electricity yeah you can buy one of those houses in uh, Missouri easy or in St. Louis and it might still be on fire <laughs> 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 yeah, the fire's extra uh, but yeah, I mean, I, maybe you can do an aside about the, the culture of Detroit and Devil's Night and the fact that, like, some places you play pranks on Halloween, but in, if I'm not mistaken, in Detroit, the night before Halloween, you burn houses down. Uh, that is how I got my first charge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like ICP is weird because from all outside appearances and even looking at their lyrics, um, which you shouldn't do, um, they're just gross people. Um, like they they sing about murders and drugs and I believe sexual assault uh, more than once. Um, well, you're telling me these insane clowns have a dark side. I, they have a whole dark carnival, actually, uh, mm. which which was weird. Uh, it was like a, their own made up religion, which I don't think I know enough of to talk about or, or if it's important because it's really it's dumb. Just you know, instead of heaven, it's the dark carnival that you go to. It's nothing. Everybody goes there. There's a whole, right. like, one of their songs, one of them gets shot. One of either Violent J or Shaggy Too Dope gets shot. And at the end of it, he... Too Dope, Too Furious. Yeah, he, in the <laughs> end, they go, he goes to, uh, to the Dark Carnival, and, like, it's all of his buddies uh, getting high and hanging out. Um, so that's it. It's just, it's, it's, the, it, it's the idea of heaven that, like, a gross person would have. This is the trouble I find with most musical, uh, you know, impresarios is they don't have enough of a sort of developed like ideology of the afterlife. Like (laughs) I would be way more into like, you know, Selena Gomez if she could give me a more precise taxonomy of what awaits me in the Selena Gomez version of the hereafter. Like, is there like a kind of like some kind of Sisyphean task you have to like complete? Just Um, rolling a Fago bottle uphill forever. Yeah. (laughs) You you crawl towards Justin Bieber, but he always recedes from you. Like, what is it? Are you coming out to us as a Scientologist now because L. Ron Hubbard has just volumes and volumes of uh, the afterlife for you? That's what my next sci-fi book is, baby. Does L. Ron (laughs) Hubbard have a cheap, sugary beverage that has somehow become associated with a band that has its own religion? I don't think so. That's the weird part. I think think the part for me, because I was an ICP fan growing up, I grew up dirt Mm. poor uh, to a a level of poverty I don't think I've seen in the United States um, until I moved to Hawaii. Um, Like single parent, uh, you know, sometimes you're having sleep for dinner. We didn't have Christmas, things like that. Um, And I see, you know, like if you had pop or soda, whatever the fuck you call it at home, you had Fago because you could buy a three liter for 75 cents. Uh, and, you know, ICP in general, um, you know, they grew up white trash and poor too. So like they use that as their um, aesthetic. And they, they said like, you know, they're effectively, this is what the Juggos were is like, you know, lyrics aside, nobody really gives a shit. Um, everybody overlooks all the serial killer songs and shit. Um, <laughs> like they're literally called horror core. 
Um, and like, you know, we can all hang out. We all can be broke white trash together and nobody can judge us. So like, and like I say white trash, but it's like, quite honestly, the most inclusive group I think I've ever seen ever. Yes, it, <laughs> like, it's a very strange phenomenon. Their fan base, uh, because it's such an extreme thing and because like people who tend to be into ICP are really into them. Like they have what are effectively like. Mm. week-long annual meetups like like the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally but just because you're into this band and people just like go there and get high and hang out and drink Fago and alcohol yeah. and, and, and they all arrive in this one little car and they all get out the back it's really, it's really oh, the main difference between um, uh, the gathering of the Juggalos and Sturgis is even, even ICP was like no COVID's dangerous we should stay home this year <laughs> <laughs> Sturgis fucking didn't Yo, we might be in sound clowns, but you know what's really crazy? The novel coronavirus. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing I would point out, too, is that, like, because their their appeal is so distinct, I mean, like, if you know anything about them, people who are into them tend to be into them enough to, like, get tattoos and have stuff marked up with ICP things. Oh, yeah, there's no casual ICP fans. It's not a thing that exists. Their logo is basically <laughs> a silhouette of a guy uh, with, like, a white guy with dreads rocking, like, a cleaver. Um and uh, okay. I've seen, so it's like, a, it looks like a guy, it looks like he's doing like a Super Mario jump, but he's got a cleaver in his hand. And, um, and I've seen, when I was in the army, I saw soldiers with, with what's that guy called? The hatchet man. The hatchet, hatchet man. man. Yeah. And uh, no, he is not carrying no. a hatchet. It's a cleaver. Yeah. Meat cleaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they call him the hatchet man. And he, uh, so I've seen people with hatchet man tattoos. Uh, I've seen people, obviously like people with the shit on their cars and stuff. When I was in Korea, uh, there was a shop that did embroidery and sewing and they made custom patches. And they, anytime someone asked them to do a custom patch, they kept an examples to be like, you can buy this here. And I saw like they made where you could sub in instead of your, your rank that you wore in the center of your uniform, you could put like a juggalo yes. rank. Uh, and had the hatchet man, yeah. So I mean, this was in fucking Dongducheon, Korea. Oh so, my god! <laughs> my, my to be fair, you could get any patch made in Dongducheon, Korea. Yeah, yeah that's hatchet 100%. man is technically equivalent to WO two. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. and what's kind of weird is like you know they became super popular in the white trash cir- circles, which went into an area of Detroit. I, I we talked to uh, we talked about a little bit on a different episode. It was like called Downriver or like the, the where like Kid Rock's from. Where it's like everybody kind of looks like Kid Rock, and they're all kind of that racist. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh. it's like the it's like Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's Michigan's Australia, um, mm. which is grim. Um, though I don't know if they have a specific island they send migrants to. Uh, maybe Mackinac, but um, mm. they would like when ICP found out about that, they like made a whole song called "Fuck Your Rebel Flag" and like made a shirt with them pissing on the Confederate flag. Which is huge in that area. Uh, which it's just like I'm not an ICP fan. I don't like casually play their music in the background or whatever. But well, like you I can't get it. do that. You have to be <laughs> an obscene fan, or you have to not listen. Those are the rules. I, I get it. I get their appeal. Whatever though. their fucked up ideology is, like it's an ideology that is a inclusive and b they stick to it. Like they're not gonna. They're, they're like no, no Confederate flags. And somebody shows up. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like no, we will fucking violently throw you out of here if you fuck around here with your confederate flags cover up your fucking tattoos yeah i'm pretty sure if a racist showed up to an icp show they'd be physically assaulted i have no doubt of that that's that's the really (laughs) weird thing about icp i've got to say that is that like a lot of the the sort of because the sort of like brown sludge rock stuff like god smack and three doors down and uh stained and slipknot and all these bands 
like they were huge in the Midwest. Uh, you know, I can God, I remember when all that shit was popular, and that was the only thing that was on the radio. The sort of like backwash of Alice in Chains in the Midwest. That stuff was huge. <laughs> Alice in Chains, but if he man- if if Lane Staley managed to get off heroin. Yeah, no, basically. just presiding over, like, angrily looking across the street at the, like, brimming fucking Slipknot fan club meeting as he, as he solemnly, age 15, presides over, like, the two-person level 42 fan club of Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, him and some old guy. Well, yeah, I love, I love, I love Brit funk. Um, yeah, so, right. But that's the thing, right, is that the, the uh, they're emphatically, they are not racist. And like mm. three doors down in those bands were like really into sort of what you might call kind of like apolitical conservatism. Like they played, mm. they were like, we love the troops. Our friends joined the army. They like played shows in Iraq for the USO and stuff like that. I think three doors down got paid by the National Guard to make a song once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a <laughs> oh, national, there's a three doors down like recruiting song that, um, for the National Guard. It's fucking terrible. It's it's that weird. Was it Three yeah. Doors Down the only band to answer like the Trump administration's yes. uh like invitation for, yes. for yeah. not gonna turn down a paid they were gig, just man. Happy three to doors- get a gig, man. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. I mean, <laughs> three Doors Down is actually a reference to sending the National Guard three doors down to stay in a hotel because of the thirteenth Amendment. Wait, no, the third, <laughs> third amendment. amendment. Yeah, the third, third amendment. Thirteenth yeah. Amendment was freeing the slaves. Different amendment. Three Doors Down's about calling the cops on the house three doors down because you saw someone park outside for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the, the point that I would make, though, is that, the, yeah, they, unlike a lot of the stuff that would be in the similar wheelhouse, and I mean, I'm really wary of calling shit white trash because I didn't grow up white trash, and my dad kind of, like, his family kind of did, so he would always get really shitty with me if I used that term. But, like, the fact of the matter it's is... It's okay, like, you could use it. It's our yeah, word. It's okay. It's okay. We can reclaim it. But the, fact, but, the, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, like ICP is absolutely a white trash band that is not racist. Yeah, like they are anti-racist, and that, like, weirdly, that's such a. It, it's like, can you be transgressive in a positive way? Can you, if you you live in a shitty society, a shitty like regional society, and you're opposing that society, so you're transgressive, but it's not a negative context. Like they are. For all of their like, yeah, you said like horrorcore was also popular in Southern rap, but it kind of went away. Like there were a few bands like Three Six Mafia was into horrorcore. They start as hence the Three Six, like Six Six Six, that whole thing, or bands like Grave Diggers and stuff like that. But that kind of went away. Whereas ICP started on that same wave and they never left. Their biggest hit uh, as I'm aware of in terms of like national prominence was not a horrorcore song, but was rather them being like, "What the fuck is a rainbow?" Um, <laughs> Magnets. How the fuck do they work? Yeah, exactly. He's just, like, a, he's just a himbo being amazed at every. He's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, human a, equivalent of golden retrievers who can that rap. Whole, that whole song <laughs> is just about we're surrounded by miracles every day, and he's just like yeah. magnets. I don't give a shit how they work. It's just a miracle, and I respect. No, that. like, uh, like uh, the song is called Miracles, and I'm going to read you a couple Yo, of a couple of is a miracle. It is. It, Tell me how a fridge works. The music man. video looks like it's made in MS Paint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going to read you a couple of uh, a couple of stanzas from this song. Um, uh, he says, "Music is a lot like love. It's all a feeling, and it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling. I still see miracles all around me. Stop, look around. It's all astounding. Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking magnets. How do they work? And I don't want to <laughs> talk to a scientist. Y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed. Solar eclipse and vicious weather. Fifteen thousand juggalos together." And I love my mom for giving me time on this planet, taking nothing for granted. So I have to point out that during the line about his mom in the music video, he's literally like there is a CGI woman giving birth to an infant that shows everything. (laughs) And he's wearing clown makeup. (laughs) Awesome. 
You see, that's the kind of shit you learn how to do if you train at L'Académie Gaulier in Paris, right? <laughs> it's all about breaking down the ego, building it back up again. They did see, months could, of like hilarious pratfalls. We could pratfalls. have kept that education in Michigan if Napoleon never sold us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You yeah. wouldn't have to be that much of a shithole. Yeah, mm. I, and I, I want to say too, um, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but we do have to eventually answer the question of what a juggalo actually is. Exactly, because mm. I, I, I use the term. That's what they called the fans called themselves, and they called their fans. But it's a kill streak you get in Call of Duty, I believe. There, there's a song called uh, "What Is a Juggalo" that goes through it. And, and France, <laughs> oh and God, is, I forgot about is that every song. one of their songs like written in this sort of like preschool tone of voice. <laughs> yes, hundred awesome. percent. I mean, there's also there's also uh, let's put it this way: I respect them for basically refusing to not be morons and also being mm. anti-racist because like I said they, they 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 refuse to sell out in like a compromise how fucking stupid they are way and also they they implicitly or ex- explicitly to their fans like you cannot like our band if you're racist and I respect that a lot however like the best way I can describe ICP and I listened to them when I was a young teenager is that like what if Eminem was a hundred times dumber <laughs> like that's the best way I could describe it what if Eminem never went to Detroit to learn how to rap Man, the other day I was fucking out running and an old like an Eminem album track from like the late 90s or early 2000s came on like shuffle on my music. And I just and I just remembered how like for years in the 2000s and like no one was even paying attention to this remotely. Eminem was playing out album tracks that were called like, yo, is it gay brackets to fuck my own ass? It was like an album with like three singles and then every other track was just like, yo, do you, tr- you what's up if I just... If I, if I go fuck myself in the ass, how would you feel about it? And then everyone's just like, yeah, cool. Oh, God. Speaking huge. of which, ICP and fucking Eminem hate one another. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Eminem put tracks. out an entire disc. Yeah. He put out a skit of them sucking each other's dicks. <laughs> okay. That's quite good. <laughs> the insane lemon party. He pulled a gun on them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at one point, he had to go to court for pulling a gun on them. I find it very funny when rappers who are all millionaires get into these beefs where they like actually end up in court because they like pull guns on one another. It's like, you know, you're rich, right? You know, you don't have to do but this. But they're not. Like, like, Insane Clown Posse do- is not jetting around in private jets. And this is Eminem in like the late 90s, early 2000s. So I doubt that he's really. He was he was on the he was like coming up in his career, but he he hadn't had the huge blowouts yet. Yeah. And to be fair, Eminem had a lot of most of his like, you know, the, the D12 guys uh, like. Uh, get shot and actually killed in some gang shit. Whereas, like, yeah. ICP's friends all died the same way mine did, doing too much of their dad's opiates in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. Yeah. Eminem. So, a side note with Eminem is that if you're if you're familiar with the band D12, particularly famous for the song "Purple Hills" or "Purple Pills," depending on if you have the censored version or not, uh, mm. one of the greatest examples I've ever seen of a song completely changing the meaning to make it radio friendly <laughs> because the song is literally all about drugs and they had to. Inst- said make it about like uh i'm in this weird landscape where colors are wrong because like the song is literally leaving the, the chorus the title everything is about it's drugs like kids bop but yeah like, like joe like- was saying eminem got famous and basically was like i'm bringing my band with me these are all of his friends who like he had rapped with and, and done music with in detroit and they did have i think two albums but yeah like a number of them have died violently um particularly one of them died like relatively early on got got shot and killed in detroit um and yeah like you were saying icp are uh are basically the they are the soundtrack to like 
you know, finding your buddy ice fucking cold from heroin because he OD'd in his sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm. I, I was going to say, because that's 100% if true. I, if I was going to kill myself with intravenous drugs, I would do it to the Great Malenko album. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say this too, that like Eminem, every song that wasn't a single and even some of the singles are songs about how he's going to murder his ex-wife or his mom. And mm. a lot of ICP stuff that's not just like, gee golly, like is, is genuinely like that. It's the same sort of thing. It's about horror and torture and murder mm. and stuff like that. Like I remember the song Great Malenko being about that. I remember there's a song on that album that's basically about like, I'm coming to your house for dinner and I'm going to fuck your 13-year-old sister and shit like that. Like it's just, it's, it's shock, like, like shock value stuff. But it's like, mm. it's basically, it's an Eminem if it was way, way dumber. So I don't recommend if you're not familiar going out and listening unless you want a, a laugh because like, yeah, it's trash. But I love to be in the woke, the woke murder band where it's like, you know, I'm like, I'm murdering a guy horribly, but not in a racially motivated way. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm murdering him because I enjoy murdering. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the race detri- of the man is irrelevant. <laughs> I am a serial killer, sir. Yeah. No, I was gonna say that's that's Detroit progressive. Is I'm murdering you, but not in a hate crime way. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as they don't steal anything from me, I just, I just need to murder somebody. And I'm sorry <laughs> that it's got to be you, but it mm. does have to be you. Guy who every month does like a statistical analysis of like who he's murdered to make sure that there's an appropriate level of diversity. <laughs> oh no, we means tested our serial, serial killer. Shit, fucking yeah. Clinton. God I damn it. Ki- I can't kill anybody until I can find a Peruvian somewhere just to really balance myself <laughs> out. <laughs> I have to amplify voices so I can kill them all equally. Taking a, taking a flight <laughs> to Hawaii Christ. is like, cool, I can get a Hawaiian person and enjoy the beach while I'm here. Really. <laughs> to be fair, so, you could just you could just go to Vegas to do that. So I want to I I would like to I would like to read a couple of the uh, lyrics of what is a juggalo so people can understand oh what a juggalo mm. is. Um, he gets butt yeah. naked and walks through the streets, winking at the freaks with a two liter stuck in his butt cheeks. Um, that's, that's, is that is the okay? Hang on, question. Is it gay if? Is the, yeah. <laughs> First of all, this sounds like an Eminem song. Uh, second of all, uh, is the is the two leader supposed to be in his asshole or just like kind of between the cheeks? Is it what sort of like is it, is he doing this for a sexual reason or is this purely like he doesn't have pockets? And if you're putting it up your asshole, is it like bottle side or bottom side? Because that that changes the the butt mm. calculus quite a bit. Call, call me call me a simpleton here, but I feel like if he, if he was sticking the two liter up his ass, he would say up his ass. So to me, between his butt cheeks means he's literally like wedged the bottle for easy access between his ass cheeks, but vertically. So basically the bottle is is fixed in the crack of his ass. And he's like, I want some Mountain Dew. I'm going to reach behind and pull this thing out. Like if, if, you're, if your butt okay. is big enough to keep a two, ble- two liter, man, you're... You're thick as fuck. I'm just gonna say, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. ICP fans got cake. The insane cake posse. Let's also remember that this is the time of uh, Jenko jeans too. The insane back pussy. Sorry. Um, <laughs> this is the time of Jenko jeans. So you had a lot of uh, pant, you know, a lot of pant going on that you could fit a lot of things into. Oh. So maybe you could oh, wedge oh, it. Yeah, like, yeah. I forgot about Jenko. Yeah, you could have the Jenko, and it oh, just okay. like the the jeans just hold the two liter there. This, um, this song is about Kevin Smith. Here's the next one. And his jorts. Uh, what is what is a juggalo? He just don't care. He might try and put a weave in his nut hair, because he could give a fuck less what a bitch thinks. He'll tell her that her butt stinks and all that. Whoa, crazy! Women hate it when you do that. 
<laughs> women, yo, like if you tell a girl that her butt stinks, they'll be like, so it's like it's like muscle confusion for their brain. You know, it's like the most powerful nagging technique. They, uh, they also, uh, you got to realize that not all ICP songs, but a lot of them, they rap in what I would describe as like, this is what the guys from Cypress Hill would sound like if they were trying to sound like white people. <laughs> like, it's a jungle out, like that kind of shit. Like, it's it's not good. I mean, it, it, so imagine this in like a really kind of like, like imagine Axl Rose rapping. That's what this sounds like. What if Eminem had a mm. TBI? Okay, I've got I've got one more for you. My favorite lyric of this. Uh, what is a juggalo? A dead body. Well, he ain't really dead, but he ain't like anybody that you've ever met before. He'll eat Monopoly and shit out Connect Four. And then the next lyric after that is a lyric. Okay. Solely raises four questions. Yeah, the, the next, the next stands after that is a a miniature like of uh whoever whoever did that line. The other one saying, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And it says, "Don't mind my shit, just okay. rap, motherfucker." <laughs> there's there's many. Yeah. There are many lyrics. There's uh, a Hulkamaniac, a graduate. Um, he ain't a phony. He'll walk up and bust a nut in your macaroni. I mean, there's just uh. I- <laughs> Okay. The juggalo is cool. kind of a dick, will in fact is what uh, the juggalos <laughs> don't care too much about food sanitation. But, yeah, you're in the you're in the cafeteria. A guy comes up and nuts in your macaroni, and you're <laughs> like, "Dude, what the fuck?" And then a guy's like, "No, you don't understand. He's a he's a juggalo. It's part of the it's part of their culture." And they do. And you're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I didn't." They know. do call out parts of they they call Southwest, Downriver, Jefferson, which I assume are all uh, things inside of Detroit. But then at the end, it's uh, you know they're they're calling out as who are juggalo cities: Detroit, Cleveland, and St. Louis. So, <laughs> yeah. Ah, you also nut in your neighbor's macaroni. Good day to you. Yeah, why does that look like a fucking MSNBC report? Like they're calling it Juggalo. Which cities is the Juggalo trend prevalent? Which is funny. Actually, they were banned happened. from St. Louis. They were not allowed to play. Yeah, they were. They were. The, the FBI put them on a like a gang registry. Dead yeah. serious. They were what? put on a gang registry. Yes, and ICP sued them and won. <laughs> yes, this is all true, Milo. Fair play yeah. to these guys. I like these guys more and more actually. And their music is dog shit, but as people, they're pretty great. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, it's like, a shame. It's, it's a shame that they never went Trump, just because I would have loved to have seen the Trump ICP crossover. Just being like our friends, our friends in the deranged, the deranged clowns. I've been speaking to them. I've been speaking to them very strongly. They, they love their clowns, but they're they're true Americans. Okay, they have followers all over the country, up and down, and they are. The insane clown pussies. That's right. They've got huge. They've got huge pussies. You can get a whole fago up there. And uh, I've been talking to them a great deal. I think we can do a lot of good things with them. These clowns. They just need manufacturing jobs, which is why we have to. Yeah, we got to make America yeah. great again, so these clowns can stop. Clowning. Oh man, we got to put these clowns it's back to Look, work. Detroit's full of old, uh, old like. Um, places that built cars and stuff. The insane clown posse just needs mm. their own like line of clown cars to start selling. Yeah, I used to steal copper oh, yeah. from yeah. them. Everybody. Yeah, they might look they <laughs> might look stupid, but the passenger space is incredible. Can't be beat. I, I was going to talk about this, and I feel like this might be a useful point to segue that now that we've talked about the Midwest as a region and ICP a band that could only exist in the Midwest, uh, we should talk about another aspect of being a juggalo and being a Midwesterner, and that is substance abuse uh <laughs> the sort of thing that leads you to be a fan of the insane clown posse <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna preface this by saying that in, in england obviously has a huge problem with substance abuse there's a huge culture around Wait, binging we, we, we talked about this on the uh britonology about the big night out with tom usher but mm. the point i would make about it is that 
there are different gradations of it. And I feel like me and Joe and Francis can all tell stories. But Joe, before we recorded this, before we even scheduled it, told me mm. about a, a concept called Detroit Straight Edge. And I feel like the concept of this, now Straight Edge, if, if, I don't know if this exists in England or not. It's basically like, it's kind of like a youth, almost a youth yeah, cult kind of a American youth movement. It's an American thing. Of like, don't, you don't drink, you don't, like it's based, the name comes from a, a minor threat song, but basically it's like no, no premarital sex, no stimulants, no drugs, no alcohol, like basically being a fucking Mormon. If you're Straight Edge, you don't even drink coffee, right? That's the uh, thing. It depends on, it's, <laughs> it's interpreted. It's Mormon. Yeah, but I was going to say, it's basically like, imagine if you're yeah. like, I'm a punk rock Mormon. That's what being straight edge is. But like famously, yeah. they get like really a insane. Very specific type of guy. <laughs> There's, there was this group of guys. I'll tell you about this really quick as an aside before Joe can tell his story, which is that in uh, in Indianapolis, and I think these guys existed as like like splinter groups or, or whatever elsewhere in the Midwest. There was this, these guys called the Courage Crew. And literally, they were basically, they were straight edgers who were like, went around beating people's asses for like smoking cigarettes. The whole idea was like, they're like, not only are we straight edge, but we'll literally beat your ass for like using a, a substance that's fucking legal just because like we fucking hate drugs so much and what they do to our community. They were basically were like, they were, they were the closest to actual white ISIS in this regard. Um, and, uh, and that's, once again, I know these things exist. Like there's a huge, there was a huge scene like that in the DC area and also in California, especially Southern California. But like, I just knew about it in the Midwest that this existed. So straight edge is that. Now, Joe. You've got anti-Ohio Hamas and you've also got uh, Michigan ISIS. Yeah, in, Michigan Indiana ISIS. ISIS. bulldozing the, uh, the border between Toledo and Michigan. That's right. <laughs> once you get down to Ohio, that's where Hezbollah is. Yeah, I'd exactly. love to do a, a fucking eight year long callback to an old ISIS video. Hello, watch say, list. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? The Bacaw Valley, M Missouri, both have great wine cultures. You know, I mean, like, why couldn't they be Hezbollah? But um, Joe, you told me about something called Detroit Straight Edge. Could you uh, could you define that for our listeners? So it's a concept that was introduced to me by being a, a someone who did a lot of drugs in Detroit. Um, and that is like, I'd never used any like crazy hard drugs. I never did like meth or heroin or anything like that. But like I smoked a ton of weed that did a lot of various pills that people can get their hands on and hallucinogens. But like, you know, I grew up around the same time that the opiate epidemic truly started. Uh, and I believe mm -hmm. that Nate and I talked about this on a bonus episode of hell of a way a long time ago, where like it started where we were years before anybody actually cared. Uh, because like white trash and and poor people of color dying from overdoses in the streets, nobody really gave a shit. I had to bleed into like the rich suburbs first before anybody cared. Um, it took a ragtag band of clowns to bring into <laughs> popular American consciousness. The, the, this one trick makes everybody hate them. Um, <laughs> it, like oxy pills were everywhere, which of course led to heroin and and methadone being everywhere. So people were doing those like mm. crazy. Um, and I, and, and a lot of people didn't fuck with those. So you'd go to parties where, you know, people are doing like whippets and, and random, uh, you know, pills and, uh, you know, what was, uh, before Adderall's, um, Ritalin, you know, you'd have your, uh, mm -hmm. your, your collection of candy bowls worth of drugs, but then that like, it would always come down. You'd be offered, uh, oxys or methadone or heroin. And I'd be like, oh no, I'm good. And then a friend of mine who ended up dying, uh, for methadone abuse, would be like, oh, so you're straight edge. And I knew what straight edge was. Like I, I, I like went to punk shows and like I listened to Minor Threat. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about straight edge? And like, you know, when we were talking, it, it dawned on me like 
literally everybody I knew did drugs. Uh, and the concept that I didn't bang shit into my arms meant that I was straight edge in the city it was fucking obscene. Like everybody's at minimum had to smoke weed to get by because your existence is just so miserable. And like everybody's getting pills. You can go to pill farms or you could just buy them. Kando's like has a land border to the south of us. So like people go over and get fake scripts and bring them back. You can get all this shit for like $5. So everybody's just ripped out of their mind. And the idea that you just didn't do opiates, <laughs> that you were straight edge is always obscene to me. It's so. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick thing about this, and this is this is one of the big differences with the England, with the United Kingdom, and the, and the U.S. Britain does have a problem with heroin, but it's nowhere near as bad as America's. And America's mm. problem with heroin was actually is is a relatively recent thing. Uh, there was a huge problem with heroin in in, in cities in the sixties and seventies, um, but you know, basically one of the the sort of guiding principles of the war on drugs was. You couldn't, and I'm not making this up, like this was literally stuff that was said by Nixon's advisors, well, you couldn't make it illegal to be black and you couldn't make it illegal to be a hippie, but if people associated heroin with black people and people associated weed with hippies, then a war on drugs basically targeted all the people that, you know, middle America and conservative America hated. It shows a real lack of imagination from an American politician, much less a right-wing American politician to say you couldn't make it illegal to be black. I mean, there is such a rich history of that, which they're clearly so ignorant of. But the point I'm making here, though, is that uh, heroin was always associated with, like, basically inner city teenage white runaways and black junkies, like, to make it as plain as possible. But what happened in the 90s was that, um, you know, pharmaceutical companies basically exerted a ton of pressure on doctors and said that they had created this ability to use pain management drugs that were opiates, synthetic opiates that were... um, they, you wouldn't get addicted to them because they had time release stuff on them that stopped you from getting it. Now, this is Joe's, Joe's making a face because it's fucking stupid. For one, that means nothing. <laughs> you immediately another, learn how to defeat the time. You fucking crush them up and you snort them or you shoot them or like like there's you can I'm pretty sure you can even like dissolve the lining in water and stuff. But like you, you absolutely like there's there's plenty of ways around it. And um, Wait, so they're like they're like the shreddies of opium, like keeps your opium cravings locked up till lunch. Yeah, well, that's the whole point, right? Is that they they said it's literally, hey, we'll push this out to doctors and like strong arm them to fucking prescribe this because, you know, these things don't have a potential for addiction. And of course, they funded research to prove that point, which was completely made up. And so it like what Joe was describing, like pill factories or pill mills, basically all across the Midwest, all across the South, the upper South, the industrial parts of the South uh, and in, in other Rust Belt places like Pennsylvania, New York, et cetera. These clinics popped up where literally like you could go in, they even accepted Medicaid and like whatever your condition was, they'd be like, oh, yep, here's a here's a prescription to help you with your chronic pain. And it was a prescription for like three or four renewals of 30 pills each of, you know, Oxycontin or Percocet. And um, I mean, like that shit, if you take as prescribed for four refills worth, you will become dependent on it, not severely, but you will become dependent on it. And if you do this over the course of years, you will absolutely become a junkie. And the thing about it is, is that. Well, uh, this was happening in places like in Indiana, where you had lots of people who had lost their jobs, who had been, uh, who had lost their pensions too, who had worked in, in in manufacturing. Indiana was a huge center of car parts. It had cars and stuff in like car manufacturing in the fifties and sixties, but by the seventies and eighties, it was like car replacement parts, some some uh, like international brands of cars and um, stuff like consumer electronics, like TVs, radios, VCRs, that stuff. That all shut down. We've scarcely made a round barn in years. <laughs> they, uh, they they also lost these people lost their pensions. These country these companies would typically uh, 
they would in buyouts or in mergers or in bankruptcies would basically invalidate their pension requirements or, or contributions. And so, um, you know, people didn't have health care. And so people, all the people had chronic Ill injuries from industrial jobs and you could get basically legal heroin. The thing about it is, is that once they started to clamp down on that or when, you know, doctors, when it got harder to get those pills after like the mid 2000s, uh, well, if you can't get prescribed Oxycontin or Percocet, what you can get is heroin or fentanyl. And that's led to where we are today. Like, I mean, uh, I don't have anybody in my family who died from opiates, but uh, my wife's cousin died from it. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you've got friends, Joe. I have friends who died from it. I have former soldiers who died from it. I'm sure Francis knows people who have died from it too. Um, this is such a common thing. And the places that are like that originally were like the epicenter of this problem weren't New York or Los Angeles or even like big cities. They were uh, in places like Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, Missouri, Ohio, Illinois, places that used to be industrialized and places that, uh, you know, all that shit had gone away or places that had, um, in a lot of places, you know, like heavy agricultural stuff. And, um, yeah, so that's not, that's like the, the not so funny backstory. But, uh, mm. the truth of it is, is that growing up when you, Milo, when you and Tom talked about how easy it was to get stuff like MDMA or Coke in, in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's fucking right. I just called a proper <laughs> night out. Joe made this joke and this is, or maybe Francis made this joke and it was, mm. it was absolutely true that like growing up in the Midwest is not ever knowing anyone who's ever seen cocaine with their own eyes until you're 25. But like from 13 onward, you're like, I know how to get heroin. Like, yeah. Yeah. In Britain, it's the complete opposite. I've never met anyone who's done heroin and like all of my friends do drugs. And the, where we grew up, it like Coke is the rich guy drug. Um, but like everyone does, everyone does fucking like Coke pills, MDMA. That oh, it was weird that you brought up whippets because whippets are like the official drug of British teenagers now. Like no one, no one was doing whippets when I was a teenager. But now, like literally, if you go on any city or like yeah. suburban street in the UK, there are fucking empty whippet canisters everywhere because like teenagers just do them on the I street corners. Loved whippets so much, man. That was I would, yeah. Maybe that's, that's like, why we're all podcasters now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like whenever I see like NIMBYs and shit complaining about like Portland, because like, oh, I found a needle on the side of the road. Like, you're about 20 years late, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I played rugby in high school and we would find needles in our field. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because like there was no security cameras or anything. And uh, like, that's rugby the, league, I believe, <laughs> when there are needles in the field. <laughs> and, uh, it, 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 there was never any security cameras. They turned the lights off uh, to like save money because my high school was like piss broke. Uh, so like you could go comfortably over there and shoot up. And we didn't have full time like the so called resource officer cops to like sit on our school. So like you could mm. go there, and unlike pretty much any any other part of the city, the cops weren't going to hassle you. And being hassled by the cops in Detroit like is. I mean, obviously, it's like that everywhere, depending on what you look like. But Detroit, they're more egalitarian in their uh, brutal state violence. Like, I've been mm. beaten up by the cop like twice for literally just walking home. But to be fair, uh, you've also done things nothing. that probably should have warranted a police beating. So maybe. Yeah, but I got away from them those times. <laughs> it's just it's just your parents catching up. It's like, why are you beating me? It's like, you, do, you have you done something that you didn't get beaten for? Yes, okay. You fucking know why. Yeah. That's the yeah. concept of Detroit guilt. It's like they know that all of you motherfuckers got away with something once. Detroit. And so we're beating you up for that. The Detroit Police Department. It's a very Catholic town. Uh, parts of it are. Um, I mean, it, it's uh, depending on what quarter of the city you're in. Like, I, I grew up... Uh, 
in the Chaldean neighborhood. So mostly, you know, Chaldean. But, um, you know, there's a huge Polish population and they're very Catholic. But, yeah, th- like, j- just to underline how incredibly, insanely violent the cops are, like, they get away with a lot because it's Detroit. It's not L.A. or, you know, New York where everybody has, you know, a, eyes a on camera. them or, you know, the entire state of Minnesota. But, like, at, at one point in the 70s and 80s, they literally ran a burglary death squad uh, where <laughs> they would, Christ. I swear to fucking God. Now, that God, sounds like kill- another rap group. <laughs> <laughs> they so they would dress up in like chains, uh, nice watches, and then like go to like n- neighborhoods they thought were rough. And the second someone tried to rob them, they'd immediately shoot them dead. Jesus Christ! Cool. They, they killed so many, and that, and you know everybody knows about Kwame Kilpatrick, but he also ran his personal protection uh, detail, uh, like detail, which I think was state troopers, but also Detroit PD uh, as like a drug death squad. Uh, so like. Yeah, it's in your best interest for your safety to run from the police in Detroit because you don't know which one you're getting. It's just it's just funny to me because yeah, like Detroit always had this reputation as one of like the roughest, if not the roughest, city in the Midwest. Like Cleveland's pretty bad, or certainly was. Chicago has really bad parts because Chicago like stayed aggressively segregated by force of like official corruption and their cops being insane. But yeah, Detroit like has this reputation of being just like the worst city in the Midwest. Um, and that like, just, yeah, I mean, I know so much of it is probably hype and obviously like Indiana has Gary, which I had a higher murder rate per capita than Detroit for many years, but (laughs) yes, it did Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, Gary's a whole Gary is like a microcosm of what we're talking about in the Midwest because like it was a company town for like one of the, if not the biggest, then the second biggest steel mill in the world. I think the biggest was Magnitogorsk in Russia. And the, the second biggest was us works in Gary. Um, when that plant both closed, like it, it basically downsized its workforce by about 70 per 70 or 80%. Um, yeah, just Gary went to complete shit. I love to live in the Russian town of Magnet Mountain. Uh, <laughs> some guys showed up and they were like, what is here? Magnets on Mountain. I have an idea. How does work? How do they work? How do they work? How does Magnet Mountain work? <laughs> that's where the insane clown posse's ancestors are from. But that's the thing, right? I think I w- it sounds way more badass to live on Magnet Mountain than to live in a town called Gary. It's yeah, my yeah, uncle's yeah. name, and I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, like did, the girl that I went to junior prom with, and hilariously, we we yeah, uh, Gary. We, we, we no, this girl that I went to, uh, and, and hilariously, we freak danced together at at the the the, the dance to the song. Excuse purple. me, what is a freak dance? You know what freaking they, is in, in Detroit? They call it Gary dancing. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, we uh we we danced to uh to Purple Pills by D Twelve at the junior prom. <laughs> um, that was the song we were freaking to. She, uh, she. I, I still don't know what a freak. It basically, is. it's just like grind dancing. Yeah. It's like when you're when you're like dancing oh, okay. like really close together, and like girls like rubbing her back, like her her ass on you and stuff like it's, that. Like it's, it's a butt being um, rubbed on your. Dick. Okay, Mister Getting Pussy over yeah. here. All right. <laughs> I didn't realize I was in the presence of fucking pussy. What getting I realize now in the aftermath of this was that she absolutely wanted to have sex that night, and I am so bad at picking up signs that I just did not fucking just did not dawn on me Damn, at she all. She kept putting her uh, butt on my pills. dick. I wonder what that means. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, yo, magnets, how do they work? <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, right? Like maybe a year later, I hung out at her house with some friends and she fucking overdosed on pills. Like I had to run away because we were drinking vodka. She just, she's like this hundred pound fucking Chinese American girl. And she literally takes fucking Percocet after like seven shots of vodka. And like, and then just fucking goes comatose. They had to get her in an ambulance and shit. So of course we all had to scatter like fucking cockroaches because when the cops come, you know, and there's drugs involved, bad things are going to happen. But um, 
Yeah, like mm. it's it's absolutely ubiquitous, and it really is like you said, Milo. It's like the mirror image in a way of England that uh, every like everyone, no one basically does pills or hair like like opiate pills or heroin, but everyone knows people or can get coke or MDMA. It's the exact opposite for us. No, I was just gonna say it really like defines the culture in a lot of ways. I think that like binge drinking and opiates and other stuff. Yeah, like you said, like in the olden days, Ritalin. Nowadays, like Adderall or Vyvanse, um, stuff like benzos, things like that. Like that's that's absolutely so hard coded in that. Like, I mean, everyone. It's like on one hand, they're like, oh yeah, hell yeah, like we have fun, we throw down hard. But like everyone knows someone who like. I don't know. I know so many kids from my high school who went to prison for like DUIs that hurt or killed people or like have completely fucked their lives up and just have like so many fucking charges from drugs and stuff like that. Like it's really ubiquitous, <laughs> but like it's not, I don't it's mean not to laugh at that, but it just reminded me of a fucking horrible story. I mean, like genuinely, I know a guy who served a four year prison term because on his fifth DUI, he hit a family. And it's just like, like, I'm telling you, man, this, this is, I, I did not grow up in a big town. Like, like relative, like it was not a big city. We'll put it that way. I, I went on a date with a girl I, I, I was friends with for probably 10 years uh, through middle and high school. Did she uh, freak on you before this? What were the, <laughs> what were the signs? Yes, but it was not to purple pills. And we finally went uh, on a date and she had already gotten two DUIs. So like in the state of Michigan, <laughs> that pretty much means you're never getting a driver's license in your life. But like she had a card I didn't because I had wrecked mine when I was high. <laughs> yo i was not drunk let the record show and i crashed it into a tree just walked home uh <laughs> oh nice. my god you know joe if, 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 i'm gonna interrupt your story for a second because i gotta tell you one of my best friends from high school was from flint and has the exact same accent as you and you telling me that story just reminded me of one time him calling me and be like yo man what's up like can you give me a ride i'm like why he's like no man like i'm fucking dropping acid and shit and i just crashed my car to a tree i'm just like why are you driving on acid he's like oh my friend's mom came home i had to fucking go man <laughs> it was the same thing that happened to me except it was ecstasy and i was at a I was at a different friend's house and he's oh, like, man, he's I like, love this stream. He's like, bro, you got to get the fuck out of here. My mom's going to know I'm high. I'm like, well, I drove here. I can't drive home. My mom's going to know I'm high. Also, I have to drive through the center of the city <laughs> uh, through like 300 cop checkpoints and shit. And he's like, no, you got to go, man. So I, I, I went. I made it almost all the way home. I got onto my street, wrecked it into a tree or a telephone pole. I can't remember which one because, you know, the mm. ecstasy. And uh, I was like, oh, close enough. They just walked home. But like the funny part is like when you grow up in neighborhoods like that, like the cops simply don't come. Like if someone would have called the cops like, hey, someone just crashed a, a car into a tree. They're like, yeah, whatever. Deal with it. Click. Yeah. Like, That's, so, like, so once again, you were raised in Britain. In Britain, the cops <laughs> don't come. This is the only this is the only reason the British cops can ever be good is because they usually don't show up. They're like way lazier than the American cops. Like American yeah. cops love turning up, firing guns. The British cops are like, nah. Unless you're literally being murdered right now, we are not coming. Unless the British cops can start murdering people, they're not gonna start showing up. We gotta give the Brits no, they just do that on their time off these days, right? Yeah, and they just yeah. tase literally everyone. Allegedly. Yeah, my my um, my driving way too stoned uh, was at a buddy's house, and I got so incredibly high, and we started watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and I had to leave because I couldn't deal with it. And they're like, <laughs> like the next day, I yeah, whoa, this is a bit intense. Time to go drive. Yeah. Which, which, like <laughs> the next day when I, what the fuck is going on in America? Yo? The next day when I talked to my friends about it, they're like, you know, 
you didn't have to leave. <laughs> if you're too stoned to watch a movie, you were probably too stoned to drive. We could have turned it off and watched something else. I'm like, yeah, well, I was really high, and nobody thought about that because you guys were really high too. So we see where we stand here with this. I, I managed to get home, though, because I'm a very good stoned driver. So I, I got I got to tell mm. mine now because you, you've dredged up so many memories. That same friend from Flint was with me at this I one. I love that we all have one. Oh, God. We're just telling the funniest ones right now. We had a, I had a friend and his mom was cool with, with uh, his parents were divorced, of course, and his mom was totally cool with us smoking weed at the house. She just wouldn't be there. And so we went to like Trader Joe's and bought a bunch of shit like food and then went to his house and got high. And then we decided to smoke again. And like, it's not like nowadays, if I smoke weed, I'll, I'll literally like hit the bowl once or twice and that's good enough. Like, no, it's like we're doing like a two bowl rotation for like 30 minutes, just, just, just yeah. getting blazed. So the second time happens, we get blazed. And then maybe 10 minutes after we've smoked, my friend who's hosting us. What's up, Jordan? Thanks for doing this, you dick. He was like, dude, this girl's coming over. Like, sex is on the table. You guys gotta leave. And I'm like, but dude, we Yo, just fucking she, freak- she freaked on me, man. You gotta understand. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's like, no, no, I knew. He's like, I know, I know, I know. But no, 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 dude. Sex is on the fucking table and she's not gonna wanna fuck me if she comes over and there's four other dudes here. You guys gotta leave. And so I was like, shit, what do we do? We have nowhere to go. Like, we, we can't gotta go get to Nate, a- the pussy magnet, out of the house before this chick <laughs> right. go, Like, we can't, go to a, we can't go to a diner. It's the middle of the day on a Saturday. Everyone's gonna know we're high and like the cop, we run into cops and we're fucked. So we're like, what are we gonna do? And then my buddy, one friend was like, his girlfriend came and picked him up and she, he, he was like, there's this other guy's party on the other far side of town. He's having a pool party at his house. We should just go. And I was like, all right, cool, we'll go. So I'm like, fuck it, guys. All right, we, we got to be like tactical and shit. Like, let's just drive. And I'm blazed. We're all blazed out of our minds. So, like we put on sunglasses. We start driving. <laughs> and immediately as we turn on to the fucking main street heading south, a cop car is behind us. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Because at this point, I'd already gotten an ROTC scholarship. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Shit. Fuck. Like, I have weed on me. We're all high. I'm going to lose my scholarship. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. And my friends who like are my age are like, fuck, shit. My parents are going to find out. Oh, my God. Fuck, shit. We're so fucked. And our friend Brian, who's a little bit younger than us, is just like, dude, I'm so high right now. I'm fucking flying. This is beautiful. <laughs> and uh, we're like going and we're going the speed limit. It's like the speed limit. And you know how American cops, especially in the Midwest are. They're just like, oh, you're going the speed limit. I'm going to ram my car up your ass yes. the entire way. <laughs> Because like they want to speed, but you're like, no, speed limit, speed limit, speed limit, speed limit the whole way. And so finally, finally, after no shit, like two miles of this asshole being, being right on me, we turn going, uh, going westbound and he keeps going south. And it's like, it's like those, like a million times stronger than the strongest ice cream headache you've ever had, just like lifting. And all of a sudden it's just bliss. And I am not joking. This gives a little bit of a date. We put on filters, take a picture and all sang along. <laughs> 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 What a beautiful story. A sort of Proustian reverie. That is that is the most <laughs> white boy Midwest fucking story yeah. I've ever heard. And we could go, we could, I mean, we could talk about the- Yeah, we've been going a while and we could go on longer, <laughs> but uh, I feel like as a concept, we've proven the utility of this and we'll just have to pick one topic to do a Midwestology on in the future if we reconvene. <laughs> mm. However- as uh, friends of the show all and, and, and Patreon subscribers all know, you can find uh, more Britonology and other Trash Future bonus content on the Trash Future Patreon. But you also have, uh, I'll let you, Joe go first since he's on my screen right now. If you want to plug your show. Oh, yeah. I'm the host of the Lines Led by Donkeys podcast. Uh, we talk about uh, dumb military decisions, war crimes, genocides, and all of the fun things that your school probably neglected to teach you about. 
Yeah, you might not know quite how stoned the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was when he decided to go out for that little drive in Sarajevo. Well, he was the thing about it was is his friend was there was sex on the table. He had to fucking throw him out of the hotel and be Bro. like, "Get in your fucking open top carriage." You don't understand. This girl has freaked on my dick. Und, und you all need to oust Zane. He's also telling that to his wife. Get yeah. out of the car. Yeah. And then also, uh, Francis, you have stuff to plug too. Yeah, I mean, uh, the other the other show that Nate is on, uh, what a hell of a way to die! If you want to talk, if you if you want to hear more about uh, military stuff that uh, from a leftist point of view that isn't necessarily history, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we work so well with uh, with Joe because he does the actual history, and then we uh, we read news stories and complain about the army. Yeah, we read headlines and news stories from military.com and then read the comments in Marine Todd voice. Was a juggalo in a former life? The answer is all of them. <laughs> it's also a show I've been on many times to do both uh, British and Russian commentary. Uh, so uh, m- much for Trash Future fans to enjoy over there. Yeah. And otherwise, thank you very much uh, for this inaugural pilot episode of Midwestology. And we will yeah. talk to you next time. Yeah. Crack open a Monster Energy, light a blunt for us, uh, and go drive your car. <laughs> uh, do not go drive your car if you're doing that. Do, do, not, do not drive your car while high. <laughs> <laughs>